Hello and welcome to the Airbyte podcast. Uh, this is the fifth shelf episode. It's been a while since we've done the last one um, for various reasons, really. We've we've done quite a few since then, but uh, not the shelf one. So thought it's time to revisit our ideas and see what new ideas we've come up with. Um, I think this episode we'll go through four of them. Um, and yeah, do you want to kick us off for us? Okay, the first one I'm going to roll with is uh, quite a meta one. So the idea of the shelf, but as a product. So the kind of pictures, you have maybe an idea or a collection of ideas. And this tool kind of allows you to firstly store those ideas. um, But then it also actually does a bit of maybe uh, like meta searching around that idea and try and basically understand what that idea in terms of industries is affecting or maybe suggest similar companies or people that can take advantage of that tool. Um, And as well as kind of push you through the validation process. So it kind of says like, okay, you've got this idea. This is like the sector it's in. Why don't you talk to these people and try and validate your idea? And basically, yeah, try and shimmy you along, which is kind of the concept of why we built the shelf was to try and help validate the ideas and obviously keep track of them somewhere. So it's, it's kind of a, a productized version of that. So general gist, would you say, is how would you pitch it? Like how do you, do you write like a mission statement or do you write like a bunch of check boxes to say this is what sort of product it is? How do you think the flow would work? Um, I mean, off the cuff, I'm kind of thinking you maybe tackle like what the problem is and then what your solution is. So, I mean, that's kind of what we try and do in the shelf. So we kind of have a Trello card or, or whatever that says, um, you know, X product to solve X problem or Y problem. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think just, just kind of set up like that. And then, make, and then obviously the idea of it is that you then flesh out the idea. So you kind of say like, okay, what, what would this be? Was it a, a real life physical product? Is it maybe a website? Is it an application? And yeah. give you like some information to help guide those decisions as well, like. Um, so it could effectively search for competitors as well. Absolutely, yeah. Because obviously, I mean, the big thing that we always have in the shelf is kind of like we identify early on like what other people are doing in that space. Like, um, if we think it's a novel idea, but then actually it's not. Sometimes we make note of that, even though it's not necessarily a negative. It's not like oh, someone else is already doing this. It's more just like well, this is almost validation for this idea that this yeah. is a pro- obviously a problem. Some people are making money out of it. Um, and a lot of the time, and what, what gets us quite excited is when we see someone else doing it, but they might not be solving it in like a way that we thought of. Mm. And, and that means like we could either have an advantage there because it could, we can make it look better or uh, function a lot better. Um, or we just bring a fresh angle to it. So it's kind of just, yeah, helping like scope, scope out your projects by looking at what other people are doing. Interesting. The only worry I'd have is if you do search for it, you kind of you'd almost depend on it, and you'd say you'd depend on the data that it feeds back. So, say you write your idea, and you search or you enter it into this shelf platform, you would mm-hmm. kind of depend on the data that it returns, and you could potentially take that as gospel. So, you might it might not scrape potential competitors that might be a worry or 
it might not return the right data and things. It was quite yeah. hard to. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Like where I'm, I'm unsure of this this concept is like, does it? it is it? It's not that binary. It's not like yes, this is a good idea, or no, this is a bad idea. All ideas are pretty much equal until you know you really get into the problem or you get into the mindset of the customer and start designing your solution. It's at that point that you start making strides a difference between like a good idea and a bad idea because of your execution of it. And I don't know like if a tool like this could actually help with that process other yeah, than try and re reinforce the good elements of that process. Yeah. I guess it could uh, help the learning curve. Like it could be useful for people who are not necessarily knowledgeable about the whole product cycle of idea through to whatever stage it could help onboard them onto that process mm. uh, almost exactly so yeah, it's kind of, yeah it's kind of like coaching them through through these steps and and we've been reading quite a lot of and obviously being kind of surrounded by this industry you, you pick up a lot of information around how to validate your product and a lot of people have different opinions about it but kind of there's there's some golden rules that are repeating themselves quite often so mm. yeah it's, it's how you ingrain that and like try and avoid the common traps as well so like don't go and build all your products up front. Think about the customer. Yeah. Um, flesh out that side of the business. You know, think about how, how you're going to make money. Though, even those simple things, some people actually ignore and some people skip over because they're so excited about this idea or this problem that they think they can, they can solve or they think is a real problem. It just helps like, validate that and just being like, check. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the initial idea is potentially google does the same thing like if you google a problem like a, a potential product idea it would normally return like that product that other people have done for example yeah and, and product hunt have a have a feature as well that shows you like alternatives based on a product mm. so they yeah. obviously link some project uh, some products together based yeah. on um I, I think it's based actually on like the industry and like the problem so yeah similar to that and it'll just show you kind of what's out there and it basically yeah skips that step of like oh is there something out there that's actually like a really good solution it's perfect but i just haven't found it yet yeah interesting okay how do you feel about this product i don't know the more we talk about it the more i think it's interesting and I like the fact that we kind of know what the problem is. You know, we, yeah. we struggle with this. We struggle with like validation and it's a common problem. But I'm str I struggle to see how effective this tool would be in solving yeah. that without exploring it further. So yeah, there's, there's promise there. There's definitely promise for me. Yeah, I think the educational side might be interesting. I'm kind of thinking about universities, like students who have, for example, Reading University does this idea first. It could be something that kind of they can use to embrace this side of product ideas and it kind of yeah. guides them through that process. Interesting. Well, so where would it sit on our shelf? Yeah, so Eva progresses basically to the next stage, which we call the research stage, where, um, yeah, we spend a bit more time on it. 
uh, it's a bit meta because obviously that's what the product will help us do. Um, but yeah, or we um, can it and we say, actually, this is probably not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I think a small amount of research would be good. I, I think that this might be, someone might be trading on this. So it'd be good to know what, what's out there already. Maybe a little bit of research, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. All right, shuffled up. Okay. That, uh, <laughs> so the second one I want to talk about, uh, this was raised by Chris. Thanks, Chris. Uh, <laughs> it's effectively, the concept is, we pick a popular product, whether that's Airbnb, Twitter, uh, you know, whatever it is, and we build the front-end, back-end clone of it. And then we record it, how we make it, and then we produce tutorials to teach that process. And then we potentially, like a subscription model where people subscribe and learn how to make these sort of platforms. I guess the idea is that there's a lot more value in people knowing what platform they're building from a learning point of view, because it's quite interesting to know how to build Airbnb or Twitter, for example, um, and varianting on different products that you build. It'll depend on difficulty levels. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it really, it'd be a really fun thing to do from a learning point of view. Like if you're learning to code, I'd love to know how to build something that I use every day. Yeah, I feel, I mean, and this is what's changed very recently is how accessible this sort of uh, education has become. Like, I'm pretty sure you could find this of something very similar to this on YouTube. Like someone would have done either a whole live stream where they build the whole thing or like a series um, of building a similar product to, to one of these, particularly Twitter I've seen personally like a couple of times. So, I think there's going to have to be another level on top of that of like, how do you, I don't, I'm kind of making this up, but like it, it needs to be, yeah, it needs to have a differentiator. It needs to have something that provides more value than just going to YouTube and, and copying what someone's doing on there. Yeah. Yeah. What well, almost like a, this is why they built this feature. Or this is why they thought about this architecture, maybe. Potentially, but then there's also like the thing like Airbnb's architecture is not going to be replicatable, replicatable, replicated by you know someone doing a tutorial. It's going to be a really yeah. complex architecture. True. So, True. yeah. I, so, so, but that, that is interesting, like going from, for, from like an architecture point of view, of like how you would build Airbnb today. Mm. But then it's like, is, is that that interesting? That's very complicated. It's very niche. It is it, very it's niche. interesting from a, it'd be interesting for someone technical who's maybe a bit more advanced, who is interested in other, how other companies are built, but it's more like a, a podcast topic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. It's, it's yeah, not really, uh, learning. yeah. I mean, from from personal experience, like at the moment, I'm kind of found myself looking at how other companies scale, because like a lot of our clients and a lot of the people that we're working with, um, 
are kind of in the phase of their business where they need to scale really effectively, uh, whether that's cost effective or to like large scale or maybe both. So we've been looking at how other companies approach this using same technical stacks and things like that. And obviously, yeah, that's really helpful for us. But I think that's a very small window, as you say, like it's, it's very niche um, market. And it's not necessarily that interesting. It's just kind of like relevant. And sure. I think sometimes those two things can get intertwined, but that, you know, being super relevant doesn't necessarily make it interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I remember when I was learning Rails on uh, Team Treehouse, quick plug. Um, they had almost a Twitter clone on there that you could build. It was almost like a build your own social network platform. And it did really help the learning process. But like you say, it is very crowded. I think there are lots of tutorials out there that would do this. Obviously, it's beneficial from a learner to do it. But whether there's a platform out there that we could, or that we could produce tutorials on, I'm not sure. It's quite a crowded market, especially for free tutorials as well. Yeah, I'm. I think also um, a lot of people underestimate the amount of effort and work it actually takes to produce these type of tutorials. Um, yeah. you know, for instance, when we do client handovers at the moment, like whenever we deliver a new feature or a project, we go away and we actually do kind of a tutorial video, but kind of like a demo video to show how the feature works. Um, and we talk through kind of maybe some considerations we've made as we've been building it. And even that can take like a couple of hours because you run into a problem or your cat's meowing in the background. And, <laughs> and you know, it adds up, but it's even those are hard. So imagine doing that on like a, you know, day long course or, or even longer, it would take so much time. Um, and, you know, when we've been going through kind of helping train people up and stuff like that, it's, it's very difficult to make, make content that fits everyone. Like if people have different approaches, people have different skill sets that they're bringing, like raw attributes that they're bringing out. Some might pick things up quicker than others. Um, and some learn obviously differently than others. So yeah, really difficult to make like really good content and then actually finding the time to record and edit and, you know, provide all that content. Yeah, I assume that's just sparked now. I mean, we had, we had this, me and Ross were chatting yesterday about <clears throat> someone got in touch with a company about uh, an unpaid work experience and or like internship. And we were, as you may or may not know, we're going more remote now from 1st of February. Um, and we, obviously we every year we take on interns and we love working and training people internally. But obviously, this is going to have challenges once we become more remote because they won't necessarily have a base where they can learn from us. We could often meet up and all that stuff, but it's not the same as being in the same office. I mean, you talking about how you'd build those tutorials and how you'd build that. You could effectively do a live coding session or like just a day of coding that's live streamed for people. Mm. Whether that's people who are working in your company who are learning, interns, for example, who are almost shadowing your code as you're working or producing kind of just, yeah, just recording your day-to-day -day process of starting a project. Say if we started a project from new, from scratch, it'd be such a good learning curve to know how you're doing it and, and all that process. But yeah. 
Yeah. But then it's it's very hard to get the right skill level. Like it's yeah. Case by case basis, it, it depends on the product. And yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean I was I think quite a long time we've been talking about kind of doing this educational side of things and I would love to be able to do this. I just don't I don't think this proposition that's like sitting in front of us is is the right one. It's kind of like it's kind of like we're just taking um, what other people are doing on YouTube and doing it as well. And I just don't think that adds much value, really. Um, like if we were if we were to invest that much in training and things like that, we might as well actually do that with employees or like yeah, as you say, like interns or work experience because a that's much more effective. Like you get like more hands-on interaction and the learning is better and they they skill up a lot quicker. And it's just a lot easier. It's, it's actually less time consuming to do it that way because you can answer, mm. you can just ask, answer questions off the cuff. You know, it's, it's a bit more human. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, so yeah, it's, it's for me. What, what, what if like there was a hundred people watching you? <laughs> like imagine if you're like, like Twitch streaming, imagine a sure. hundred people watching you build this platform and they're going to ask questions on the chat or whatever it is. And you pay, for, you charge for this. So you'd, you'd say, okay, uh, to watch this, you could effectively pay per hour or whatever it is. Um, you, I don't know. Maybe that's something different now. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I think that's a different proposition. Yeah. All right. And we can, talk, we can talk about that maybe with Chris. He's done some live streaming. I'm sure he'll be happy to talk about the success of that or maybe not success of that. All right. So for now, so this, this current state, I think needs to, for me, needs to be reworked and needs to have a differentiator. Okay. What do you think? Sorry. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. We'll put this <coughs> in so, the projectors. Yeah. All right. Next one up is, uh, again, um, from Chris, uh, wake up and get stuff done. So concept is you set a time to wake up every day or every workday. If you don't click a button by this time, say 10 minutes, we charge you X amount of money. Um, and then, and then the payment would just go straight to that platform, mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting. <laughs> Uh, you made a comment. Do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So my my comment is very profound. I say I am of the opinion that if you don't want to wake up, then you need to maybe make life changes and make make sure you have something that you uh, you find worth waking up for. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that money is. I also say money is not always the answer to this. You know, it might be that regardless of whether you get charged three quid, it's, you know, problems stem, stem deeper than that. Um, yeah. Without getting too kind of philo philosophical or um, analytical, I feel like my personal approach to this is, do you know, like the question would be, do you know anyone that suffers this badly <laughs> that, that can't, you know, that's really struggles to get out of bed every day? But and is it... It's more, yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's getting, is it getting out of bed or getting stuff done? 
I guess it's, uh, in this case, it's getting, it's waking up. Yeah, it's like, I think, so kind of speaking on behalf of Chris here, but like Chris is like a, a, a big advocate of like, wake up early, get get all your stuff done before 8am sort of thing. Um, and that's great. Like if you've got that motivation to wake up at 5am, you've got that motivation to wake up at 5am. And if you don't, you don't. Like it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have it. Um, like I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fairly early riser, but you know, I like to sleep at 5am and then... <laughs> And if, if I, if I feel like, you know, sometimes I do feel like I, I want that motivation to, to shift my day forward, then I'll just, I'll just do it. Like if I've, I don't know, I just don't have this, I don't need yeah, external but, influence to, to do that. It's an internal thing for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. It's true. But there's factors that can help that. It's like the whole fitness thing of motivation. Like I'm going to set a challenge to do uh, 20 press-ups a day. It, it's something that would kind of, gamify it almost to do it and to, to motivate you to do it you know you have to do it and you know you want to do it event like in the long term it's going to benefit you but today you might not want to do 20 press-ups and the same goes when you just wake up like you first wake up sometimes you're just like oh, i'll you know i'll give it another 10 minutes for example but ultimately the long goal is that you do want to wake up earlier and you do want to change your life that way I get it. So what if we take, okay, but that's a good example of kind of like um, the fitness thing, right? So what if we took this concept and said, okay, if you don't do 10 press ups, we're going to charge you three pound every day. What's, yeah. What's the difference between that and waking up though? Like there's still, it's still self-motivation. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying like, what would you do that? Right. <laughs> you know, would you use that service? <laughs> uh, yeah uh well i don't know personally maybe not but i know people okay. would. <laughs> but personally why wouldn't you like if you're yeah why would just, just, you I'll, I'll just i'll just do it <laughs> exactly right <laughs> you just do it like you do you even want to do it or you don't and i and i feel it's always got to be an internal pressure and it might be that's the subconscious internal pressure you know socially um and that's obviously why you know um fitness social apps are actually you know pretty good because they inspire you internally without almost realizing it to to become motivated but i feel like having this forced motivation long term is just not it's not a good solution i feel like you either end up resenting it so you just stop doing it very quickly or you just never take the plunge because you think you're you're, you're scared that you will know that that would be too difficult and, and so you just never do it because because you don't have the motivation inside anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess there's also you guys went to the whole like long term motivation, but you may not have that long term motivation from day one. So you need a little bit of extra help for the first ten days, and then after those ten days, you might have okay, I know I can wake up, I know I can do this without this platform. So it could be kind of a a stage before you have that habit. It's kind of the habit thing, isn't it? Before you mm -hmm. have a habit, then this is to help you before then. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, if, if me or you and I won't use it, then I don't know who would. Yeah. And like, even Chris wouldn't use it because he gets up early every day. But <laughs> it's kind of like, I just, I just struggled to see how this, this, 
idea alone would help convert someone from like, I don't want to do that to I want to do that. Like if you want yeah. to do it, it's not that hard to just set an alarm at 5 a.m. Sure. You might hate it at the time. And then, you know, but if you hate it at the time, you're probably not going to like it when you then get charged three pounds anyway. Like it's not, it's not, I don't yeah. see it helping. No. Okay. I feel like we went on a lot of personal crusades there with uh, <laughs> our opinion. So let's bring it back to like products. Products, products I, struggled, I struggled to see how this would like be uh, like validated. So I think some of the inspiration of here is um, uh, Peter Level's com, And, but I think he like validates, he like you, you set someone else to validate that you've done it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you get emails from one of your friends. Um, I don't know how you'd have that same validation within this product. So it'd actually be entirely self-driven. So it'd be like, yes, I'm awake. And that's kind of like the, when you're younger and you're, your mum's shouting you from downstairs, are you up yet? And you're like, yeah, and you're still in bed, right? It's kind of that same same thing. Like, did they work then? Probably won't work now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you, you could do something like you have to... Uh, record yourself for five seconds or whatever it is uh, to show that you're awake. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. It's tricky, it's tricky. I do think people, it's a novelty. Maybe, maybe it's a novelty thing that people would use it, try it out for a couple of days and then give up. So mm. I don't think there's much longevity in it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But the actual product itself, it's, would be fairly straightforward to build. Um, it might be one of those products that you just build it and then validate it then. Okay. Yep. All right. Thoughts? Where's it going? Uh, for me, probably not going to progress. Um, yeah. Progress it myself. I think. I think yeah, it doesn't align with my with my beliefs. But also, I just think the product itself needs a bit more work uh, in terms of how it validates. It's good kind of weekend project though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A good live streamer. A good live streamer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe a tutorial about it as well. <laughs> Alright. We'll put it to the rejected pile. Um okay, we can now talk about Apache products. Uh that we haven't talked about for a while. Yeah. Uh, for those that do not know. We built a product called Test HQ. I think you can still find it on testhq.com. Yeah, it's still going. <laughs> um, and this was a remote user testing tool that allowed you to um, self-recruit. If you have users or would allow you to self-recruit people to give feedback and usability tests based on maybe set wireframes or an actual website, or whatever it is you want to test, and you push this out to your testers and they give feedback, um, and you're able to review and see what they did and um, improve your products based on that feedback. Um, I won't get into how we came up with this or what the problem was, because I think we've talked about it before, but maybe an update on how that's going or what has happened to it since then. Um, I guess the brunt of it is we haven't touched a product in 
six, six months, maybe. Yeah, about six months, yeah, half a year. Um, yeah, it, it got into this state of, I, I kind of want to call it validation limbo, which is where, <laughs> completely made up, where you, <laughs> you kind of are talking to people and everyone's saying, yeah, 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 this is a, yeah, this is an idea, this is a problem. Yeah, we have this problem, but we're not asking maybe not the right questions. So we're not saying, okay, how do I get you to sign up? Would you pay for this? Um, how much would you pay for this? And so we, we ended up in this kind of limbo of where we know there's a good idea in there somewhere, but talking to customers hasn't really helped us validate the product yet. And mm. so we went and kind of, to, to, so then we were like, okay, well, let's try and define a version of this product and then market that and see how that goes down. So we ended up with what's currently kind of on testhq.com, which is um, where we say like you self-recruit your users um, for feedback and we give a set of tools to, to facilitate that. And, um, and then we kind of have some like nods to saying, oh, you can categorize those users and, and say whether you've got like repeating customers or new customers, um, whether they're particularly high value, based on intercom style segmentation. Um, we then kind of tried to market that. And again, we got kind of cloudy feedback because we got people saying, okay, this isn't a problem for me, but you know what it is? Like this problem and this problem. And people were giving us all these types of problems um that weren't necessarily the one that we had so i don't I, I think we hadn't really found like the product market fit like a reflection from from yeah, the sounds I, I think we yeah there's two sides like we weren't effectively strong enough on our own market fit to push it and like to lead that path i think we almost listened to others a bit too much in terms of that direction and then that made it fuzzy on what the actual mission was for the product so we kind of tried yeah. to adapt it and change it for all these people and eventually it just got cloudy into we, we sit here today and what, what is it that we've built and d does it solve anything exactly um, so yeah we kind of started with the tool being a set of tools to help like record these tests and you maybe do like instructions via this tool um, but then it's up to you to distribute them and you use a URL just to distribute it. Um, we then evolved it into almost like a segmentation tool that helped categorize those users, which kind of made sense, um, and recruit those users for you. Um, and, but then we start getting into the realm of kind of like, okay, how do we push those integrations so that we can recruit users really easily using existing platforms such, such as Intercom, um, which was quite a good test for us, but then we never really found any customers that fitted that profile. We kind of said, oh, this would be cool to use, like the Intercom thing to recruit, but we never actually had five customers lined up that used Intercom and that would roll this out. Um, so it became very, very hard to justify working on that when we didn't have any target customer for that particular case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. 
So, I think yeah. Be. Go on. Yeah, we, I mean, we chatted about what to do with it. I think we, if we did go with it again, we would strip it back to probably the first idea that we had was, or the first problem that we had, um, which was to create really easy tests that were cheap, that were um, easy to roll out. And that was it. And then go from there, probably, again. Yeah. I think, well, the thing with that, though, is that when we did talk to customers and we proposed that as a solution, not we you know we were either talking to the wrong people or there's no product you know there's not there's not really a market for that um or not one that's actually going to actually generate much revenue because when we were talking about people that are like okay yeah i've i've got this maybe i like use loom or something to do that um we never really got much feedback on that particular use case yeah other than ourselves like we were the ones that came up with that problem yep um, yeah. So it's a case of we we either keep going down that route and try and find the you know the customers that support our our thing, our vision for that product, or we do pivot it, but we we still pivot onto a focus point. So we say like, okay, we're not going to do that particular use case, but we're going to do this particular use case, which has got traction based on our conversations with potential customers. Yeah. We just need, need to basically, we need to almost throw out kind of what we've done so far in terms of like all this feedback that we've got. But not yeah. into the case of like we completely suffer from fresh. We just want to take that, that feedback and basically just perform some analysis on it and say, you know, what is the common theme here? And try and identify a pattern that can become a product. However, I do feel now that we're kind of on this trajectory of trying to find a problem to match our solution, if that makes sense. Yep. So we're trying to like, you know, we've got this cool domain, we've got almost, you know, we've got this cool brand and now we're trying to find something to, to fit it and it, it's a bit weird. It's a bit of a backwards way to, to approach product development and, and definitely not a good way to approach it. We need to go back to the source of problems um, and like thinking about that right now, like the key problem that we always have is like, how do I get feedback from users? How do I validate my product? And yeah. and yeah, so like, how do we how do we solve those problems? Mm. Yep, and this is why we haven't touched it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. Well. We'll see what happens with that. We'll review it <laughs> again at some point. Um, but yeah, check it out anyway. Testhq.com. Yeah, if anyone has any feedback, um, you know, uh, you know, do you have these problems? Maybe, maybe you do. Um, if you've got any ideas, definitely talk to us about it, and we'll, we we want to we want to progress this and, and make this into a product that solves a real problem. Yep. All right. So I think that's it for this episode of Shelf. Um, this was the first time we've done remote podcast. So hopefully the sound and the quality is as good as it ever was. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back soon. Yeah, see ya. <laughs>